guys. Welcome back to the Double Coverage Podcast with Johnny and Andrew Cassis. What's up, guys? Just wanted to say thank you, everybody, for listening to episode four. That was on Anchor and SoundCloud. Um, also, a big thank you to all of you guys who are following us on all of our social pages and interacting with us on there. We really appreciate your guys' feedback, so um, please keep doing so. Uh, Andrew, you want to give them the socials? Yeah, I just want to say thanks as well first, guys. Uh, we appreciate the feedback we're getting and all the support that we keep seeing. So thank you, thank you. Hopefully we keep that up and we're going to keep getting better. Uh, we're available on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and our show is available on Anchor and SoundCloud. Uh, on all those socials, Double Coverage Sports Podcast, Twitter, our Twitter handle is at Double Coverage K. So give us a look, guys. We really appreciate it, and we're going to keep grinding for you. So to start today's show, we had to lead off with the talk of the town, the debate of the century that we had last <laughs> week with my mom on the podcast <laughs> about coffee and the coffee preparation methods um, I was on the before side where you add the cream and sugar in the mug before the coffee. Andrew and my mom, unfortunately, are savages and we're on the side that puts the coffee, then the cream and sugar. Uh, I don't know why people like to make messes, but um, looking at that poll, um, I don't really I think you're just upset because you're it. lost, dude. I think you're just, you know, it was pretty pretty high margin. I mean, on, on Twitter and Facebook, pretty big margin of, lo- of loss there. Uh, 80% of you guys said... You put the coffee or the, the cream and sugar after you put your coffee. Uh, only 20% of people said before. So a complete landslide. Well, that's on Twitter. Okay, what that's on, on Twitter. Facebook? Go ahead. On Facebook, mm-hmm. we had 19 total votes. Okay. And 21% said before. Also, well, 1%. 79% said after. It makes a difference. No, it doesn't make a difference, Johnny. Wow. You just got blown blown apart. Well, clearly, I took, I took the L on that one. We're the uh, winners here. We wanted to get today's show started with something new to the podcast, actually. It's going to be called our One Word Game, and what we're going to do is we're going to give you a score recap or uh, bring you a breaking news topic that happened over the last couple of days in the sports world. We're going to give you our one word reaction and then um, give you a little more in-depth breakdown as to why we chose that word. So let's get it started, guys. Here we are, the One Word Game. Our Los Angeles Lakers fell to 31-39 and after their 124-123 loss to the New York Knicks in the Garden. LeBron James was blocked by Mario Hazonia, Super Mario, on his game-winning shot attempt. Andrew, your one word for the Los Angeles Lakers. My one word to describe the Lakers season? Dejected. That's more so kind of a mental state that I'm in right now watching this Lakers season progress. Uh, in my opinion, the front office has been a little too impatient in developing the young talent on our roster. There's not a lot of quick fixes in the NBA, so... Getting LeBron isn't a mistake, and I don't think anybody's ever going to view it like that, but not getting anyone else kind of doomed us, especially when the injury started to pile up. Um, expectations were a bit too high just just with the addition of LeBron James, and I know there's been a lot of talk around the league right now. LeBron, when he's healthy, let's not kid ourselves, guys, is still the best player in the NBA in the world. Unfortunately, this Lakers season has been yet another disappointing one, and the word that I'm using today will be how I feel at the end of the season dejected. Johnny, what's your one word? To me, my one word uh, for the season would be lost. Uh, Loss is in the lost season for LeBron and lost as in the lost season for the Lakers. Colin Coward kind of talks about Andrew Luck having that lost season with his shoulder injury. Uh, And the injuries just piled up this season for the Lakers as well. Uh, They basically had injuries to their top four point guards when you look at it um, with LeBron, Rondo, B.I., Alonzo being out, Kyle Kuzma missed chunks of the season as well. Um, and Christmas Day, the Lakers were fourth in the West, playing really good basketball, looking like real contenders to do some damage. 
And then um, the injuries, unfortunately, just really added up. Lonzo Ball and uh, B.I. were both shut down uh, about a week ago, so they're not coming back the rest of the season. So basically for me, this was a lost season for him and the Lakers. Moving off the awful Lakers and Knicks, we head to the Eastern Conference contenders who faced off Sunday afternoon in the Philadelphia 76ers and Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Philly ended up winning that game 130-125 to 125 in a clash of Giannis and Embiid. Andrew, your one word from the game. My one word is Goliaths. You know, you hear about David and Goliath stories. This is Goliath versus Goliath. In my opinion, the two teams are going to end up meeting in the Eastern Conference Finals. I do think Giannis can, pull, uh, can win that series when they get there. Um, Giannis dunking with his left hand, I don't know if any of you saw it, over Ben Simmons, but the dunk with the left hand when he's in the paint might be the scariest action in the NBA right now. I wouldn't want to face it. Um, and these guys are just different breeds. Joel Embiid and Giannis are both seven-footers. They got great footwork, can dribble the ball. I mean, shades of, like, with the rebounds and everything, shades of Wilton and Bill Russell back then. Um, Giannis is the MVP for me, and going forward, the potential for both of them is through the roof, but I think Giannis has the longevity to have a better career. So my one word for them would be Goliaths. Johnny, what is your one word? Yeah, mine's going to be freaks. Uh, freaks, plural. Uh, these two guys were number one and number two on my top NBA players under 25, and they are definitely going to wreck the league, as you were saying, um, for years to come. Embiid finished this game with 40 points, 15 rebounds, and six assists, and Giannis finished with a career-high 52 points, 16 boards, and seven dimes. Personally, of the two, I would prefer Giannis. Not only does Embiid's history scare me, but at the end of the day, if I have to choose between the big or the wing, I'm going to take the wing. Um, they're better on, on defensively for switching, and they're usually better ball handlers. In this case, Giannis for sure is a better ball handler. As a team, though, I actually prefer the 76ers. Um, even though the Milwaukee Bucks have the best record in the NBA right now, in the playoffs you need big-time players who are going to make big-time plays. And the big four of Embiid, Simmons, Harris, and Butler is a lot more formidable to me than Bledsoe, Giannis, Middleton, and Lopez. So players, give me Giannis. Teams, give me the Sixers. Moving on to NFL news, running back Kareem Hunt was suspended for the first eight games of this upcoming season after video evidence of him pushing and kicking a woman was released. That incident happened in February of 2018. Formerly on the Kansas City Chiefs, he was cut and later signed by the Cleveland Browns. Andrew, what is your one word for the Kareem Hunt situation? My one word for the situation will be fitting for Kareem Hunt. Um, I know Cleveland is kind of on the rise right now and people are buying a lot of stock, but let's remember... They still are the Cleveland Browns, and I think it was pretty fitting that if he was going to end up on a different team, it was in Cleveland. Uh, coincidentally, that is where the incident happened, and that is where Kareem Hunt is from. So again, fitting would be my word. He's still a really young player. Um, I was a really big fan of him back when he was in Kansas City, so I really hope the best for him. Hopefully, he can create a nice tandem with Nick Chubb over there in Cleveland when he gets back to playing. Um, Johnny, what would be your one word for this whole situation surrounding Kareem Hunt? Yeah, my one word would be obvious. With John Dorsey as the new GM of the Browns, this destination seemed like an obvious fit to pair with second-year quarterback Baker Mayfield. John Dorsey was the Chiefs GM when they drafted Kareem Hunt. Um, he's only 23 years old. He missed a large chunk of last year. Now he's going to miss half the season next year. Everyone deserves second chances, but I agree with Chris Sims of Pro Football Talk, where if he messes up again, to hell with the guy. I, I mean, I, I don't want to see him again. I don't want to see him get another chance. Um, that kind of brings me to Johnny Manziel just real quick. I don't know how many chances this guy's going to get. Yeah. Uh, but just a quick tidbit, I'm done with that guy too. Another interesting part about the Kareem Hunt situation that Mike Florio, also of Pro Football Talk, discussed was the fact that it seems there was almost a negotiation process done between Kareem Hunt's representatives and the NFL League representatives. 
this kind of this kind of action is normally leads to a 10 game suspension. Kareem Hunt got eight, and right after the suspension was handed down, his representatives came out almost immediately and said that they were not going to appeal the process, which tends to happen often, especially when the NFL hands down suspensions. A lot of these players try to appeal it and get the games lowered. It looks like the NFL is just totally cutting that process out by negotiating with these representatives and lowering the game suspensions so that way there's no appeal process that looks to undermine the NFL and their decision. Moving on to the NFC East, the New York Giants traded away Olivier Vernon and Odell Beckham Jr. to the Browns and made some other questionable offseason moves over the recent week or so. We'll get into the specific transactions later when we give our offseason grades, but Andrew, give me one word for the New York football Giants so far. The New York Giants, in my opinion, are a comical franchise. That is my one word, comical. It's almost kind of silly that they haven't made any changes to the quarterback position yet, given how subpar Eli's play has been and how obvious it's been. Um, you know, like you mentioned, they trade away your superstar receiver. Uh, you trade him away, but then you have the potential to grow him with an already great running back and a tight end and Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. All you got to do is draft a quarterback. So honestly, the formula is very simple for the New York Giants. They're just not doing it for some reason. They're not executing and they keep Eli at the helm. So my one word is comical. The front office kind of needs to get out of here. Johnny, what do you think? Uh, what's your one word for the New York Giants? Yeah, I tried to come up with something else because I just felt like my word was just too blatant. But I can't think of anything else but dumb. The Giants clearly have no plans to move off Eli, as you said. And now rumors are coming out that they are not even going to draft a quarterback in this year's draft, saying that Dwayne Haskins doesn't fit their system. Last year, in one of the most QB-heavy drafts the NFL had ever seen, with the likes of Darnold, Baker, Rosen, Allen, Jackson, the Giants used their pick to draft Saquon Barkley, a running back, at number two. The Giants moved this offseason at only more uncertainty to the organization and their plans. They clearly look to be in rebuild mode, but get rid of a young star like OBJ to sign Golden Tate. Do not hold on to Landon Collins, who they simply could have franchise tagged, and go sign Antoine Pathé. So for me, the one word is dumb. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest vocabulary in sports podcast history, Johnny Cassis. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, Elvis, what are we talking about next? <laughs> well, the Giants were definitely big movers this offseason, but they weren't alone. A lot of teams have been really active on the market, signing and trading players. It seems like nowadays almost every team has made a transaction somehow, some way. I got Rappaport on speed dial. Yeah, you know when it comes to every offseason or like trading deadline, there's always those couple of guys, whether it be the NBA or the NFL, that you gotta follow. You got Woes, you got Shams, you got all those guys. Well, right now, if you don't have the instant notifications on Twitter for Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter, you're just doing it wrong. Also, at Double Coverage K, those guys know what they're doing. <laughs> Shameless plug a lot? Yeah, you know, I gotta go for it, man, you know? Well, it seems like many teams have been following your lead, Andrew, because a lot of teams have been out on the market going for it, signing free agents, making big trades. Even bottom-of-the-barrel teams like Oakland and Cleveland are going for it. So we're going to help recap you with the big off-season moves by giving you our top five off-season grades for teams. They could be teams that did we thought did really well. They can be teams that we thought did really bad. Spoiler alert, the Chiefs are in it. <laughs> yeah, obviously. So let's get right into it, guys. We're going to be giving you our draft grades right now for the Cleveland Browns. Andrew? All right, so the Cleveland Browns um, made a lot of moves, like mm-hmm. we, ta- we talked about when you talked about the Giants. Mm-hmm. Traded for Odell Beckham Jr., and Olivier Vernon from the Giants. Um, they sent away in that deal, though, Jabril Peppers, a decent piece on their defense at safety. They're now down to their third-string safety, who uh, actually finished PFF uh, rated last year as the 90th best safety. So That's they're going to have to fill a need there. 
Uh, they also lost a little bit of help on the O-line and Kevin Zeitler. But, um, a lot of help, Kevin Zeitler. Yeah, Kevin Zeitler is really good. Very good at his position last year, so they're going to need to fill that need. Um, they're doing it a little bit. They re-signed Greg Robinson on a one-year deal. The um, holder of all holds, that guy. I mean, you know, you need you need somebody there and someone with experience. He's got a little bit of it. Uh, they went out and got our former boy from the Chiefs, Demetrius Harris, to back up David Njoku at the tight end position. And then Sheldon Richardson, uh, a very good veteran presence to have on your defense uh, at the tackle position. Hopefully he can make a big difference and pair along with Olivier Vernon and now Miles Garrett to kind of uh, create a nice force on that D-line. Mm-hmm. So, again, very active. Um, I actually give him an A for this one. And uh, a little worth mentioning, they also added Kareem Hunt, and he's going to be suspended for the first eight games. But along with Nick Chubb, that backfield is going to look pretty nice. I mean, Nick Chubb was the number two rated running back in PFF last year in limited time, but still qualified for that. So, again, nice backfield. And Odo Beckham Jr. gets to... Uh, pair up with his former wide receivers coach from LSU, Adam Henry. Uh, Johnny, I know you're a huge Baker Mayfield fan, so uh, give me your take on what the offseason for the Browns looks like so far. Yeah, Sam Darnold wiped the floor with them. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm going to give the Cleveland Browns a B. Honestly, it's mostly only because of the OBG, uh, OBJ trade. Um, he is going to reunite with his old receivers coach, but he's also going to reunite with his old teammate and wide receiver Jarvis Landry, who form a pretty formidable duo over there in Cleveland. Um, the thing that makes this so appealing is how much of the salary for OBJ that the Giants are eating. They're only paying him, Cleveland that is, $47 million over the three years that he's going to be there on his contract. So that's $15 million a year. Just to put it in perspective, the Kansas City Chiefs are currently paying Sammy Watkins way more than that, about $18, $19 million a year. So um, definitely got a bargain for a player like Odell. I don't love the Olivier Vernon trade just because you had to get rid of Kevin Zeitler to do it. Kevin Zeitler is one of the best interior linemen in football. So with a young quarterback in Baker Mayfield and adding all these skill players around him who we know can get after it, I don't know why you get rid of probably your best lineman. So for me, Cleveland gets a solid B. And I got to be honest, it's probably it probably would have been a B plus. I just really don't like Baker. So. <laughs> So why don't we just stick with Baker's draft class and talk about another quarterback out of that same class, Sam Darnold. Uh, you mentioned him in the beginning of oh, yeah. your little... Uh, yeah, I love Sam Darnold. Your, your little info about their free agency moves. Uh, but his team, the Jets, have actually been very active as well. So why don't you give us your thoughts on their moves so far and uh, your overall grade? Yeah, so uh, you go out and you sign Le'Veon Bell, Oof. Josh Bellamy, and I know Chandler Canzaro, he's a kicker, but kickers matter now, especially with the way the extra points are set so up. So many missed last year I'm and the year you, before. I don't know what's going Ask the Chargers. On. You want to you wanna see defeat? Oh, yeah. Ask the Chargers. Right. They will tell you all about their kicking woes. They also got Jamison Crowder to pair with Robbie Anderson and traded for Kalecio Semele to help shape, uh, shape up that patchy O-line that Sam Darnold was working with last year. And then they also went out and a big guy that they signed, one of my favorite free agents on the market, was C.J. Mosley, the middle linebacker, former Baltimore Raven. I got a man crush on some of these middle You're, linebackers. You just love man. middle linebackers, yeah, basically. Uh, so I'm going to give the Jets an A so far this offseason. They were smart. Last year they didn't play any games like some other team across the Bay. They drafted their franchise quarterback in Sam Darnold. And this offseason, the goal was simple. Get them help. Both sides of the ball. Get this kid some help. Skill position players they acquired should be extremely helpful, especially Le'Veon, who got a night. Who they actually got on a pretty nice discount when you look at it. He has the ability to catch the ball from the backfield, and what makes him extremely dangerous is he's pretty much another receiver. You're able to split yeah. him out wide, and he can go out and win one-on-one matchups that way. They also upgraded their O-line with Tom Compton and Kel- Kelechi Osemele. 
Um, so I loved every move that the Jets made. Andrew, yeah, I mean, and also just Jets? real quick for those who don't know, um, Le'Veon Bell once said that he would never play for the Jets unless oh, yeah. they gave him a hundred million dollars. Yeah. He literally got almost half of that. He yeah. got fifty-two and a half million with like what thirty-something million guaranteed. Not the quite, not quite the hundred million he was. looking Definitely for. no, but I mean, he's a Jet, and uh, Sam Darnold would be happy for him to be there, and Sam Darnold will also be happy because of what you mentioned before about the offensive line additions. He played in 13 games last year. Not every game he started, but he was sacked 30 times. That's so, unbelievable. That's so many, dude. Like, he didn't have time to throw. The times that he didn't face good pass rushes, he was able to actually, you know, chuck the ball down the field and be precise with where he was going. Uh, one thing he's going to hope for, too, is that Robbie Anderson, stop getting in trouble. Yeah. Stop getting it. You are really good. You are very fast. Like, Sam Darnold would be so happy if you could be on the field for 16 games. Okay, you pair that with a guy like Jamison Crowder, a great receiver in uh, in, in space over the middle. It, it's it's a winning combination. He's finally gonna have that run game that like the Jets haven't had for years now. I mean, Sam Darnold, I mean, had it in college, but not all last year. Um, it's gonna open up the field in the passing game and create a lot of easy throws, like you mentioned too, Le'Veon out in the flat. So I gave the Jets an A plus, also because this is their defense rolling out next year. Listen to these names. Tremaine Johnson, Jamal Adams, Avery Williamson, and C.J. Mosley at linebacker. And now you have Leonard Williams still there. And they also added Henry Anderson to the defensive line. That's going to be a scary defensive unit. Yeah, it's going to be pretty good. I, I know that they had a deal in the works with Anthony Barr. He ended up backing out and going to Minnesota. I think if you get Anthony Barr, I give you the plus. Yeah, you get the plus. I, I'm giving them the A plus because, I mean, Le'Veon is a great find. Sam Darnold's going to be set up for the future, and the Jets can only go, get, go up from here. All right, so moving from one New York team to the other, Andrew, what would you think about the uh, Giants? I know we covered Talking them a little bit. Talking about these guys again, man. Uh, yeah, I swear to God. We didn't get on them enough in the first segment. So, Andrew, what would you think? F. F, oh, God. F, F. For all of this, okay? You, tra- you How do you trade away Odo Beckham Jr.? Like, you just signed him... To that mega deal, he was the guy. When he's healthy, he's the top. He's the top three receiver in the NFL. Just get a quarterback. I mentioned it earlier. Just get rid of Eli. I will never understand this beat around the bush kind of deal that they got with Eli. It happened in the draft. They 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 babied him and got him out of San Diego, brought him to New York, and now they're babying him in year seventeen when he can't throw the football. Farther than he can throw a watermelon. You know, it's hard for franchises, especially no, prestigious ones like that. New York. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. Beat Tom Brady and the Patriots twice. Don't care. Don't care. You know why I don't care? Because then you go out and sign 31-year-old Golden Tate to a four-year, $31 million deal and give him $25 million guaranteed. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Weird, it doesn't make any sense. And you, tra- you, don't, you don't keep Landon Collins, but hey... Instead of keeping a 26-year-old safety in his prime, let's go get Antoine Bethea, a 34-year-old safety who has been past his prime since before Landon Collins even got to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't understand anything they're doing. John Mara can keep saying, the GM of the Giants, John Mara can keep saying that they have a plan in the works. I'm not buying any of it. I'm not buying this. I think he's buying time, and he's waiting out the storm until Eli finally steps away. So, got a little heated there. But Johnny, you want to give me your grade real fast? Yeah, mine's not as serious. Uh, I just gave the Giants a C minus. I, I like I said, I don't love what they're doing. I think the trade for Olivier Vernon actually was pretty good for them. They got Kevin Zeitler, who I again I think he's one of the best interior O linemen in the league. Yeah. 
So I know you don't re-sign uh, Landon Collins. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me considering how young he is. You, you could have franchised him. You have the cap space. Yeah. It's not like there's anything tied against the cap. But honestly, when you look at the moves that the Giants made, you look at the teams in their division, I just don't see any way that they're competitive given how the Cowboys and the Eagles look, who look like they're going to be top contenders. Not even for their division, for the NFC. They're yeah. going to be two really good teams with Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott and Ezekiel yeah, Elliott. Right. So I just don't understand how any of these moves make the Giants more competitive or put them in any advantage, you know, going into the future. That's why. That's why I have them so low at an F because they haven't made moves to advance their team at all. I know what they're doing. Tank for Tua. So moving on to the AFC West guys, to the seller of the AFC West, the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> Whoa, how'd that get there? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so the Raiders, yeah, let's talk about their offseason real quick. Some moves they uh, they made on the defensive side of the ball. They added LaMarcus Joyner, uh, a nice safety who was in L.A. last year playing for the Rams. Uh, they, were, they re-signed Jonathan Hankins, one of the defensive tackles. He's okay. Uh, they're paying him a decent amount of money, a little bit more than I would expect. Uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I think they kind of paid way too much and went out and got underwhelming receivers that they think are pretty decent in Tyrell Williams and J.J. Nelson. And as we mentioned last week on the show, they traded for Antonio Brown right before free agency started and gave him $30 million. So a lot of money tied up in the receivers, and that's one of the reasons why I'm giving them a C for this offseason, because I don't necessarily love the amount of money they have tied up between Tyrell Williams and Antonio Brown. They're paying between the two of them $52 million guaranteed over the next three seasons for just those two guys. Um, I think Derek Carr is going to really need to make good on those additions and return back to his former MVP form if John Gruden wants to really turn this organization around. So I give them a C. Johnny, what do you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm giving them a C-, throwing the minus in there. I think the A-B trade is really the only thing that's keeping me from giving them an F, to be honest. I know that they did, they're paying a lot to him right now. It's honestly not as much as you think. Um Tyrell Williams is a little overpaid, I will agree with you, but being able to get Antonio Brown for only a third and a fifth is a pretty big steal for me. Uh, I just feel like the Raiders are making this up as they go. They get rid of a number one receiver in Amari Cooper, then this offseason they go ahead and trade for a number one receiver in Antonio Brown. I understand that you don't expect Antonio Brown to be on the market, but that's what makes these decisions even more questionable. Uh, Just an example, uh, they, they have Jordy Nelson on the roster, they pay him a $3.5 million roster bonus. The next day, they cut him. Do yeah, you have, just get rid of him the day before and save yourself some money. Do you but. have any plan? I, yeah. I just I just don't feel like there's a plan here. I feel like they're just kind of making it up as they go. Well, lucky for Raiders fans, they got John Gruden for nine more seasons at $90 million. So <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully they can figure it out with that time. <laughs> they better enjoy the next nine seasons sitting behind uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and MVP Patty Mahomes. Get too excited now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> calm down we a little bit. You know. <laughs> But the Chiefs did make a lot of moves this offseason. They released Justin Houston, released safety Eric Berry, traded away D. Ford for a second-round pick to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they did make some big additions, though. They signed Tyron Matthew, signed Carlos Hyde. They also brought in Alex Okafor um, and brought in Brashad Breland to come sure up that secondary. Um, I'm giving the Chiefs a B plus. This offseason was full of turnover for the Chiefs, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which is much needed considering how their defense played last year. <laughs> many Chiefs fans are sad to see many familiar faces who at the time were very good leave this year. Uh, but when you have one of, if not the worst defenses in the league, changes needed to be made. 
Justin Houston, Eric Berry, and D Ford all missed time over the last two seasons. And the scheme switched to a 4-3, moves Justin and Ford to different positions that I believe they would struggle to succeed at um, given Spagnuolo's new defense. The signing of Tyron Matthew, a younger, better safety right now, who plays a lot of the same styles that Eric Berry does, a lot of in-the-box uh, as that strong safety, a lot of slot corner, which is a lot of the stuff Eric Berry does. He guards tight ends very well. Um, Eric Berry would have to basically move to a free safety, more of an over-the-top ball hawk, which unfortunately just giving his Achilles injuries that he's had, he's just not able to do right now. And, I mean, when you look at this defense, guys, they gave up the most first downs in NFL history. <laughs> in- That's... Yeah, it, it's astonishing. That's unprecedented, yeah. Yeah, that's it's, really bad. it's ridiculous, especially given the offense that we have. Yeah, you, you would expect to be able to get off the field to get the offense back on as quickly as possible, and that's kind of what the Chiefs are probably going to look for, to have the offense on the field as much as possible to keep the defense fresh. Um, going into this offseason, if you were to tell me that we were going to lose D Ford, Justin Houston, Eric Berry, Mitch Morris, our starting center, and Steven Nelson all in the same offseason— I'd be in panic mode. They're all starters. I really would. They're all starters. <laughs> all played big time snaps. But as you mentioned, even though they were starters, they still struggled and missed a lot of time. And I'll say this about D Ford. I'm really glad, and I mean no, mean this with no disrespect, and I hope he has a very healthy career. But I I I'm, I don't mind being the guys who don't who pay D Ford ninety million dollars with given his back injury history. I'm kind of glad with that. I'm okay. We can bring in some younger guys, and that's where the Chiefs kind of improved, in my opinion. This offseason, they gave themselves four draft picks in the first three rounds of the draft, mm-hmm. which is going to be a very defensive-heavy draft, yeah. is is expecting. Especially and D-Lyman. Ex- D-Lyman, we need all the help. We need, we need as much help as we can get. Um, we still need some help at corner, but as you mentioned, the addition of Bashad Breland, who didn't play much last season for the Packers, he's going to be really nice because he was in line at one point for a very lucrative contract for what he had done in Washington. So... He's a really nice uh, veteran piece, and hopefully he can pair well with our uh, other additions in the secondary with Tyra Matthew. Uh, so I'm kind of excited, and I do like the addition of Carlos Hyde. He's still young enough to pair with Damian Williams. Uh, I thought the Chiefs made out pretty well this offseason. I give them a B, and it'll be interesting to see how the culture changes under Steve Spagnolo as opposed to what it was under Bob Sutton. Yeah, the Chiefs seem to have real trouble uh, stopping the NFL's prolific offenses from last year. And if Bob Sutton was with Kansas City, he'd probably be crapping his pants right now if he saw what was going on in the offseason with all the free agent signing and the super offenses. Wouldn't know what to do with the players he's got. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't know what to do. With the offenses (laughs) that are going to be lining up against the... against teams next year so we thought it'd be cool to bring you our top five nfl offenses based on skill positions so quarterback running backs wide receivers and tight ends andrew's gonna get us started off andrew whoo i love this i love talking about offense uh it kind of seems that the nfl is turning a corner and becoming a little bit like college football with all the astronomical numbers being put up and here are my top five teams that are gonna light up the nfl next year guys number five Kind of unexpected. The Minnesota Vikings. I think they're going to be really good next year. Kirk Cousins is still a very good quarterback in this league. I don't care what anybody says. If they can piece it together, they're going to win some ball games. Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, one of the best wide receiver combos in the National Football League, ladies and gentlemen. And if Dalvin Cook can have a healthy offseason like he's expected to have, Dalvin Cook will be one of the top running backs, not only in fantasy, but in the NFL, mark my words. And whatever you say about Kyle Rudolph, he had a quiet year. He's one of the best at his position. Number five, the Minnesota Vikings. Number four, we are going with the Los Angeles Chargers. They're my division. I can't be super hyped about them, but I'm going to be a little bit because they're really good on offense, okay? 
Philip Rivers is 37. He's old, okay? He's like the granddad who comes around and just slings footballs at parties and stuff. But Philip Rivers can still sling it around the NFL with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who is now a solidified number two target. Last year, they finished top 15 in points per game, pass yards, total yards, and rushing yards. So expect them to do more of the same. Austin Eckler is also a nice underrated piece, so look out for him. And Hunter Henry, they need him back. You better not go get Antonio Gates again. I marked, I swear to good, good, all that is holy. Do not go get Antonio Gates. Number three, Baker, Baker, touchdown maker, the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield at quarterback. You add Odell Beckham, you Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, David Njoku, and Kareem Hunt. Look, people don't like Hunt. He'll be back in week, week nine. They're gonna light it up in my opinion. What I'm most excited for though, is the tandem of OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Not only are they gonna score touchdowns, what are their celebrations gonna be? Anybody? I kinda wanna see, it's gonna be amazing, okay? I'm not a Browns fan, but I'm looking forward to it. Number two, the Los Angeles Rams. Look, Jared Goff, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Todd Gurley, and Tyler Higby. It's a great combination to have on the offensive side of the ball. If then you throw in Cooper Cup, a guy who missed half the season last year, they're going to be dangerous. Again, guys, Sean McVay is getting older, but he's still the youngest in the league, and he's still one of the smartest in the league. They're going to keep dialing up all these trickery and destroying defenses. I can't wait to see it, but I can't wait to see my boys, the Kansas City Chiefs, because they have the number one skill group in the NFL, and it doesn't really matter, honestly, who else is at the wide receiver and tight end position, although they're good. Patrick Mahomes is the reason they are number one. It doesn't matter who you line up with him anymore, okay? But you throw in Tyreek Hill, you throw in Sammy Watkins, Carlos Hyde and Damian Williams as a tandem, and the now solidified best tight end in the league, I know you like Gronk, Travis Kelsey, okay? He's the best. He is the guy, and they're going to just, just, just pour it on people, and I can't wait to see it. Like, hopefully nothing happens with this whole little Tyreek situation. I don't want to get into that because I'm hyped. I love this. It's offense. I don't want to talk about that. But Mahomes is only 23. He threw 50 touchdowns. What is going to happen next year? Can't wait to see it. Johnny. Give me your list. All right, tough to follow that, but I'm gonna give it a whirl. Let's kick it off with number five, headed to the Georgia Dome, Atlanta. I feel like people are forgetting about these guys. Really a lot of injuries last year. That's really what derailed their season. Their quarterback, Matty Ice, Devontae Freeman, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Austin Hooper. They probably have the best receiving trio in the National Football League with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Mohamed Sanu. So go ahead and give me the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to light it up on that turf field. Atlanta Falcons, number five on my list. Moving on to number four. God, the Patriots really did to them, didn't they? The poor Falcons. I got the I got the Patriots. I still got the Patriots. Tom Brady is the GOAT. We all know that. James White, Sonny Michelle, Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, and Rob Gronkowski, even though he's doing a lot of blocking now. They're just they're li- they light it up every season. You know what you're gonna get from them. Slow and steady through the regular season. They're gonna eat you alive in the playoffs. That is what they do. And one thing they always do. Put up points. With Randy Moss, without Randy Moss, skill players, no skill players. The GOAT just puts up points, ladies and gents. Moving on to number three. Again, a team I really don't like talking about. The Los Angeles Chargers. Listen, guys. They play in a soccer stadium, but they don't put up soccer points, buddy. They put up numbers, okay? Phillip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. God, if Hunter Henry can stay healthy. I don't know what this team's going to be like. 
Trust me, I see him twice a year. It's really annoying. Phillip Rivers will put up 30 points on anybody. And the worst thing is a stupid bolo ties at the end of it. I'm done. Moving on. Number two, the Los Angeles Rams. Listen, LA is just loaded on offense. I don't know what to tell you. The Chargers, the Rams, Jared Goff looked like a bust after his first year. Then the good-looking suave Sean McVay shows up and starts lighting it up. Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby. They just light it up every week, guys. In case you haven't noticed, went ahead, put up 40 points last year like five times. I don't know what else to say about this Los Angeles Rams team. If you haven't watched them, if you have, if you want to see a game, go watch that Los Angeles Rams and Kansas City Chief game from last year. That is football. And I don't know why we're really having this discussion. I mean, number one is the Kansas City Chiefs. No ifs and buts about it. MVP, Patty Mahomes. Who the heck throws 50 touchdowns in their first year in the league starting? It's unbelievable. Damian Williams, Carlos Hyde, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey. Good luck guarding these guys. I see it every week. There's no stopping them. It's absolutely phenomenal. I know my bias is showing. I don't care. Kansas City Chiefs, number one football offense in the league. Got that all out of your system there, Johnny? Yeah, I'm good. You good? Oh, I'm great. <laughs> Can't wait for the NFL to come back. Yeah, I know, dude. <laughs> it's greatest time. So that's going to do it for us today, guys, on the Double Coverage Sports Podcast. I just want to say thank you again for listening, um, everybody who's been interacting with us and helping us uh, build this fan base that we're trying to build. Um, I really appreciate it. If you guys enjoy what we're doing, if you like what we're doing, uh, please give us a follow, a share. Um, we really appreciate it, guys. Andrew, want to hook them up? Big thanks again, guys. Yeah, we're on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Double Coverage Sports Podcast. On Twitter, at Double Coverage K, if you want to look up that specifically. That's our Twitter handle. Uh, we're also available on SoundCloud and Anchor. We look forward to seeing you guys tuning in for future episodes and for this episode. Thanks, to you. Thank you so, so much for all the people who have followed and who will continue to follow. We'll catch you guys next time.